major renovation, including a new kitchen, and you are way over budget? You'd better call Paul. Michael, can you hear me? I can, Paul. How are you? Great. I'm looking at your floor plan. So do you want to start with design stuff first, or do you want to start with talking about cabinet brands? Because you were considering Grable cabinets, which is a custom, a very expensive custom cabinet. But you also mentioned that you wanted inset cabinets. Once you're into inset cabinets, there's not going to be an inexpensive brand. Right. Yeah. Well, maybe we could just start with the with the cabinet brands. And, and by the way, thanks for, for having me here. Oh, yeah. No problem. Um, do you also do you happen to know how high your ceiling is? Uh, standard height, eight feet, eight feet. So since you have an eight foot high ceiling, it is not a compelling reason why you have to be getting custom cabinets other than if you want it in set, the custom cabinet companies are going to be the only ones that do that well. So okay. you really might want to decide how or how important inset cabinets are to you. And then what kind of color and door style and finish were you considering? Well, the the, the door style themselves, I don't think are going to be anything fancy, but we were did want to do custom colors on both the, the cabinets and, and the island. Um, so what kind of custom colors? I mean, they would be akin to, say, a Benjamin Moore color. So, yeah. So you're going to be doubling the cost of your cabinetry, essentially, if you're going to get inset and special custom colors, you know, and, and that will be why, is to get the inset and to get the custom colors. And they are painted, a, a painted finish. So your cabinets and your finishes aren't going to be any more durable, probably, than they would be with a less expensive brand. You won't be able to get inset cabinets at least unless you're in an, an expensive line so like if i'm looking at your kitchen i guess where are you are you in like i think when you called you up upstate new york or or lower like scarsdale or something like that right yeah in, in new york upstate so that's you're probably in a relatively expensive area i'm looking at your plans and your plans look like in a custom cabinet line if you were getting this design as it is, you might have 50, to, depending on the colors that you're picking and everything else, 50 to $60,000 in cabinets. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think it's, it's that, that seems to be pretty much, it may even be slightly cheaper. I'd have to check the price, but the, I think the way the pricing is working on the colors is they will do the color. There is a percentage upcharge mm -hmm. on the total purchase price. And then you have to test the color first, which you pay for separately, yes. but it gets applied to the cabinets, which is fair. Yeah. So, I mean, Grable is an expensive cabinet brand. So when I say 50 right. to 60, Grable is on the high end of custom cabinetry. So you could probably do the same thing maybe in a high, high end semi-custom brand in, I think Medallion now does inset cabinets. So a brand like Medallion or Fieldstone or Starmark, 
those brands will do inset cabinets now, and they would just be the absolute least expensive brands that would probably do inset cabinets and also custom colors. And so if you went to right. one of those kinds of brands, you might get into the 50 to 60 number, whereas in, yeah. in Grable, you might be at the 70 plus number because it's a, such an expensive cabinet brand. Now, the flip yeah. side of that is if you went to a less expensive cabinet brand and sucked it up and didn't get in set cabinets and got full overlay cabinets and you picked a brand that had lots of color choices. I mean, we carry are just starting to carry a brand called Integrity that has lots of nice colors. You couldn't pick your own color. You'd have to pick a color, one of their colors. They'll do custom colors too, and there'll be like a, a big price up charge. But if you pick one of their regular colors, you might be all of a sudden under $30,000 for cabinets. Um, right. Yeah, no, I, I mean, for us, it's really weighing the the... the the, the the cost and the benefit of keeping the custom color versus not doing that and how much do you need to save first you yeah, know, and what kind of custom color areas of the, the house yeah what kind of custom colors are we talking about like, uh, i mean one's a one's a very dark blue almost black and one's going to be an off-white color um, so you know, you know i would tell you more. spent the off-white color doesn't make much sense being that picky because mm -hmm. the only people that would really be picky would be people that wouldn't understand that the lighting is going to affect that color so much. So if a cabinet brand had an off another off-white finish that wasn't the perfect finish you happen to like, well, you haven't even mm -hmm. considered what, what kind of low voltage uh, lighting that you're getting that's going to be, you know, either cast a yellow, gray, blue hue on the whole kitchen, and that will change the the look of your white cabinets dramatically. And even the things, right. the rooms, the walls, the paint, the, the colors that you paint, the walls and stuff will affect that color so much that it doesn't make a lot of sense to get too anal about a, an off-white finish only because you can address it slightly if, this, if the color that the cabinet company had, you wanted your white to be a little yellower, you could just get an LED bulb for your fixture that had some yellow in it and suddenly your cabinet right. look yellowy but to get right. well, very very dark point. blue that will be the challenge right yeah no it's uh it, it's definitely a challenge i mean it, 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 actually i think you raise an excellent point because the off-white is more of a i don't want to say neutral but it, it's it's more of a typical color that i could see not having a problem matching or otherwise taking care of with the lighting but mm -hmm. yeah the, the darker blue black color is a much more sort of custom color mm -hmm. um but it's you know i i mean it really we're at the at the, the point point now where we're trying to weigh the potential options we thought we were set on the the cabinets and now we're trying to <laughs> revisit let's, it the let's talk second. a little bit about the addition so do you want, you know, I look at your addition and uh, does this addition include uh, any deck or anything outside or just a landing or how much? Uh... There, there's just going to be a landing. There was a drawing on there for, mm -hmm. for a patio, which we're mm -hmm. going to forego due to the cost involved. Mm -hmm. um, but 
you know, I mean, we have a, a 1950s colonial house. It's, it's a great house. It's constructed very well. They made it with steel beams, which they don't do anymore generally because it's too mm-hmm. expensive. Um, but like most colonials, the kitchen is small. It's oddly shaped and sure. it's stuck at the back of the house. So you know, the idea is to, to push that out, um, the back of the house out, and then you'd have room for a, an island and then a dining area and you'd really have the, the kitchen become you know available to be the you know the, the proverbial heart of the home mm-hmm. um, but actually you know my, my, my wife and I are not the biggest fans of complete open concept uh, unlike what you see you know uh, every day on television so we actually kind of like the fact that this would be somewhat open yet separate from the rest of the house so folks can go in other rooms and close doors mm-hmm. as needed um you know so it, it, i mean i think the design itself and i'd like to get your input on it i mean i think you know as far as the, the project goes and the prospect of the addition i think it makes a lot of sense and it's um you know we're, we're happy with what was done and, and the way our architect and, and kitchen designer sort of worked this out um but yeah that, i'm, that I'm not a, a huge i'm not a huge fan of your design actually so really yeah i i would we can go around the horn and what issues i think are need to be addressed and things that I would change. I mean, the first thing is when the kitchen designer, when these people do these designs, if they work for me, they get in trouble when you don't put the table in the room, right? How does anybody know that mm-hmm. the table that you're considering fits in the space, the breakfast area that you're leaving, right? And the answer is nobody does because it doesn't, right? <laughs> No one's figured out the fact that you're not really leaving enough space for the breakfast table if you want to sit on all four sides of it. So you could put the table up against the windows. Right. No, well, you know, to to be fair, I have other drawings where, you know, it it goes through the depth and the height, uh, you know, I guess the depth of what's going to be there. And I, I think that that breakfast area is going to be 16 feet by 10 feet. So there, there would be room for, I think, for a decent sized table. Well, when I do it for these sides, when I do it by the scale drawing here, 10 feet to the countertop, if that's what you were left with, like I'm using your 48 inch range as a barometer. Mm -hmm. So it looks like, yeah, it looks like you have a little more than nine feet between the table and the wall. If I do it to scale. And if it's nine feet and that's 108 inches and you were going to have a regular size kitchen table and you were going to sit on all four sides, we take 108 inches to get to push a table, a chair back and be able to stand up and get out from the window side. You need essentially 30 inches. So we subtract 30 inches for that. And then if the table is a standard kitchen table, that's usually 41 inches wide. So that leaves you three feet of room between the table and the island. And so when someone sits down, they're going to usually eat up about two feet or a little bit more. So if you were were sitting at the table, you wouldn't really have much room to get in between somebody and the island the way it is if we have nine feet. So it's just something you want to put your table on the thing. you You want to map it out. It doesn't cost hardly anything to make an addition a little bit bigger. You know, let's say you made the addition one foot longer, now ever so, mm-hmm. so everything is spacious and you only have one more foot of roofing, one more foot of walls, one more foot of foundation. That's not going to be that much different. The first step is 
when the kitchen designer is doing this, they should really be putting the, the table that you're planning on getting into the room and be putting chairs and, and you can figure that out. But, you know, that's the one issue that I've got. And then, of course, if you, okay. you want to put the table up against the window and sit on three sides, well, you could have a five foot long table, very comfortably go five feet and then sit two people on one side, two people on the other side, and another person on the end, or make it a five foot by five foot table, but you'd sit six, two, two, and one, but you wouldn't be sitting on all four sides. So you couldn't play cards at it, but you'd be sitting six. But you don't want to build your addition by your table and be the last person to figure out that. Right, yeah, you got to (laughs) sit down and then you you don't have room. (laughs) Right. So, and then the other thing that I look at this design and I'm not such a huge fan of is one is the big sink that you have next to the stove and the window. Just the issue with that is just that when you're at your range, if the only countertop you're going to leave yourself is the bit of countertop that's on either side of the stove, well, when every time somebody goes to the refrigerator in this refrigerator location, you're going to get a, a French door refrigerator probably. So that countertop on the re- left side of the range is not really very useful for cooking because every time somebody opens the refrigerator, they will hit anybody that's trying to stand there. So the only countertop you have to work at when you're at the range is the 36 inches of countertop in between that sink and that range. You have a 48 inch range, you're getting a professional range. So you're cooking meals that require all kinds of different burners and everything else, but your your prep area is, is minute. So the solution to that is to move the refrigerator maybe to, so that you have the other side. And you know, generally you don't wanna have the refrigerator in that location anyway because people are going to be going to the refrigerator if they're sitting at the breakfast area and you want to get a drink or something like that, putting the refrigerator there drags everyone through the work area. Right. So, right. You know, it's right. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting because we struggled with where to put the refrigerator in the design and, you know, the, the, the designer we had worked with had made the same point, and it's really a matter of trying to find the best slot for it. If you put it on the right side, you know, we're supposed to have doors that go out on out of the breakfast area into the backyard, which is going to be the only backyard entrance. Well, the other thing, too, is those, I would tell you about those doors. If you ever listen to my podcast, one of the things that makes me insane is that architects love French doors, and they put them everywhere. If I ask a customer, would you like French doors? Or would you like a sliding door? Everybody will say, of course, they want French doors. But that's only because they haven't thought through what the problems with the French doors are going to create. And the problems that they create is, one, you can't open the door and get some air unless the doors, the one of your doors, French doors, doesn't even open all the way. In fact, neither one of them opens all the way because they can't be folded back. The countertop is in the way on one side and the wall is on the way, way on the other side. So you'll have these doors jutting out into the room at 90 degrees and they'll be hitting the wall and hitting the countertop. And if you got French style doors and it was a slider, well, first off, they wouldn't be opening into the room where you're trying to sit and taking up space and you could leave a door open so you could get some air and have a screen door or whatever and get a breeze in, et cetera. But 
the act of making them French doors is essentially eating up a whole bunch of space and creating very awkward doors that are sticking out into the room that are hitting things. That's the first thing you should get rid of is the French. Okay. Get a French style door. And then they're not even opening into your table and everything else. I, I would definitely change that too. And then I would put my refrigerator in back of the island. You sort of have enough space back there. In fact, the way the kitchen is designed now, you have an, an unusual amount of overhang on the back of the countertop in the island that you could make that maybe a tiny bit less, especially you, it would look silly if it was done the way it is in the architect's drawings, where there's a two foot overhang on a two foot cabinet depth thing. You only can cantilever something, even if you have supports. You only can stick something out 50% of the way that it's going. Can't really stick out, have a countertop two feet deep in back of a two-foot cabinet. The whole thing will tip over. Um, right. Okay. So you'd either need a leg to support it on each corner, um, or you'd need to make it a little bit shallower. And if you did make it a little bit shallower, that would work better. So the way that I would probably do the design is instead of making a the two pantries on the end, that and then that mm -hmm. that creates an unopened area that isn't as useful. I would have the a pantry on the end, the end that's closest to the refrigerator. So I'd start with a pantry, then I'd have my re refrigerator, or maybe even have my refrigerator, a panel on the side, then my refrigerator, then a pantry, and then I would leave myself a whole bunch of bottom cabinets and top cabinets, so that you have sort of like a separate breakfast area that you could serve off of where you could have a wine refrigerator or you could go to from the breakfast area you could put your coffee maker and that kind of stuff on the countertop over there and it would be much more open going into the breakfast area instead of putting all the, the tall deep things on the ends of that area closing the thing in in the middle I would put the tall deep things together so that I had an open countertop heading towards the table that I could work at and use and would be make it more functional. And then if you did that, now you'd have all that extra countertop where the refrigerator used to be that you could use when you were cooking at the range. And then all of a sudden, I wouldn't really object with everything. Interesting. Yeah, you know, the way we have this design now, I mean, there's a there's a, a run of cabinets towards the bottom uh, mm -hmm. adjacent to on the other side of which the garage. That's supposed to be a coffee bar and like you know i think in grandiose schemes we had an idea of putting a wine refrigerator in there and then determine mm -hmm. the amount of wine we drink and the cost of the wine refrigerator mm -hmm. is just not worth it um so that's supposed to be the coffee bar now but i think the thought was um you know you'd have the pantries on one side you could do prep work at the island and then you know just switch over to the to the to the range and the sink the main sink right behind you um, but it's, it's, you know, I mean, it's, it's interesting to hear how you take that because everything you say makes a lot of sense to me. Yeah, I mean, and even the coffee bar all the way down there, that again does the same thing, too. It's it's, it's a long way away for people that are going to get a cup of coffee at the breakfast area. They got to go all the way down there. So, you know, that might be better for pantry storage and stuff like that. Put some pantries down there. You could make that if you wanted to make a wine bar. My wife and I are big wine drinkers. And, you know, a wine refrigerator, a really expensive wine refrigerator will give you different zones for white and for red. But Right. Oh, no, I know. I, I always say, I like wine, wine doesn't like me. <laughs> yeah. 
we don't even like white wine, the temperature that most people might drink it. We like white wine refrigerated, right? And so, mm -hmm. and then red wine, we keep in our basement and we bring it up for when we're going to, when we need it. But you could have a wine refrigerator under a countertop. That's a $600 refrigerator and the cat where it could be a $600 or an $800 nice refrigerator. And the cabinet that you would have gotten from Grable would have been a thousand. So it's not really even going to cost you any money if you had a wine refrigerator under a countertop. And then that being a wine area, that's way better as a wine area over there instead of a breakfast area. Because the breakfast area, people are going to get their coffee and then sit at the breakfast table or sit at the island. But wine, they may very well go into the other rooms, like into the living room, into the dining room, if there's a dining room, into other places. Right. And then certainly the refrigerator too, is it's the closer the refrigerator is to the breakfast area. In the perfect world, the triangle that you're supposed to be creating between your range, mm -hmm. refrigerator, and your sink is so much bigger than this. You've created an apartment-sized kitchen, right? Distance is supposed to be 19 to 26 feet. But you got like 15, 16 feet. So you're not even reaching the bare minimum of a normal kitchen because you've got all these things jammed together. So getting your refrigerator out of this triangle and putting it on the back of the island will just give you a much better work relationship between the sink and the range, give the range enough countertop. And then when the refrigerator is a little bit out of the loop, that's really okay because people going to the refrigerator disturb all the people that are cooking. Right. If you really wanted to put the refrigerator over in that bottom area, that would be okay if you wanted to put the refrigerator there. At least then people could go walk through the back of your, your pantry area instead of going through the work area to get to it. But right. it was me no, I, I, I back of the your, island. Yeah, no, I, I take your point. I think it'd be, and, you know, for practical consideration, I think, you know, if there's a place to move, it would be on that back run where the, where the pantries are. The, the wall where the breakfast area is going to be, the, the room immediately behind that is actually the garage. And the, the wall behind there is masonry stone. So when you start running lines through there, it gets, you know, from a cost perspective, um, and that gets a little tricky and gets more expensive. But it's a, it's a lot easier to, to, you know, to put that um, well, refrigerator on, on the other side. No, I mean, what lines? Electric lines? Uh, well, there's electric. I think there's supposed to be a built-in water dispenser there. Yeah, as the well. water dispenser, so right now, all those things. You would just put bearing strips on the wall and run the lines. The water line comes through the floor, and you could have the water line come up if the refrigerator was first under the first pantry. That's actually in your basement, and the the water line would come up in, from the floor which in back of the refrigerator if that was in that location. And even if, if it wasn't, it could come up and then run up the wall with, if you put firing strips on the wall before you drywall, the room would shrink by three quarters of an inch. And you probably don't even want to be putting drywall on top of the, the brick wall anyway. So you want to be maybe having it have something to screw the cabinets into, right? You, you know, it's better right. to have a firing strip. And that fir if it was a firing strip, the room would get three quarters of an inch smaller. If you do, used a stud and turned it on mm -hmm. its side, a stud is an inch and a half. And then you would have an inch and a half smaller. And then also you wouldn't have to, if you turned a stud on its side, now you, the room would lose an inch and a half 
but you'd also have plenty of room for bo outlet boxes, which you're legally going to have to have. So they wouldn't have to chisel into the stone to run the electric lines to put the outlet boxes in. They just put the boxes in and, and you'd have an inch and a half chase to run any electric and everything else that you would want. Right. So that's just my take on the, the design itself. And you can work on that okay. and take my two bits for what, what they're worth. Um, no, I appreciate your perspective. That's great to get. It will also make, when you're looking at it head on, you're spending you know $10,000 or $15,000. I don't know what kind of 48-inch range you're getting, but you're spending a lot of money for your 48-inch range. And you can't really have a nice hood with it because you don't really have enough wall space. So if you got rid of the refrigerator from that location, you could move the range down maybe even a little bit and then have very symmetrical cabinets and or a big, nice hood and some cabinets too on either side of the range. Whereas here, you have a two-foot cabinet. So you have a two one-foot doors that open in the wrong direction. When you're standing at the range, the doors will open or you'd have a really big door that would open if it's a 24 inch inset cabinet you'd have a really big door that would open that wouldn't look very good like when we're designing somebody's kitchen we don't want ever want a, a door that's that big we don't really ever for a 24 inch cabinet we always make that a double door and not a single door because it looks better but if we had just a little bit more space you could have the proportional size and a proportional hood and everything else that would look nicer but why don't we talk about the big elephant in the room too, is your whole project has been sort of sidelined by the big, the expensive estimates that you got for construction. So right, yeah, no, it's, it, it's it, this is something we've been planning for you know, a number of years to, to put on something in this, uh, you know, this scale. And there's, mm -hmm. there's other work that's gonna be done, you know, in the house on the, on the outside. Um, so it's, you know, my, my wife and I have been very diligent. We didn't want to take out a home equity loan. We wanted to be able to, to save the money to, to try mm -hmm. and do this all in cash, which we thought we had. Mm -hmm. um, and now with the, uh, with the, the cost of inflation and the, and the cost of just general uh, labor and some of the construction materials, we're, we're really sort of shocked at the estimates that we're getting. And, you know, we're, that's why we're, that's why I reached out to you because it's really the, the question of, you know, do we try and, bring this in using uh, somewhat cheaper uh, uh, cabinets, just as one example, or cut back the scope of work, or do we just wait and, and save, uh, save more money? So, I mean, the one thing, you can definitely save money on cabinets. The thing that makes something a kitchen attractive, even though I love inset cabinets and I love expensive appliances, a better designed kitchen, it, it looks better first. Right. That's the most important thing is the design itself. And so this design, mm -hmm. it, you know, this design for the, some of the reasons I mentioned won't be as attractive as the design that I proposed. If you have the kitchen designer do these different designs and then you look at them in three dimensions, you would agree, I think, too. I mean, the one thing is, is when I look at the floor plan, I'm telling people all these, you know, this will look better than that. And it, it just sounds, you know, well, maybe, maybe not. It's like, that's why we do them in 3D. That's why right. you deal with the architect, you deal with the kitchen designer, and then they do the designs in three dimensions on their computer. And you look at them mm -hmm. in different ways. And then you go, oh, that looks so much better. So you could save money on cabinets. And if the design improves, the whole overall kitchen is just worth way more and looks way better 
just because the design got better. And then if it also gets more functional, you don't have the doors sticking out. I, I always say that what we're trying to do with people is defunkify their kitchen, not give them things that sort of are funky. And the French doors, for example, are sort of going to create a funky thing that they're sticking out and they can't be open all the way and they're sort of in the way. And if we move the refrigerator, then you have more space on either side of the stove. You have a hood and you have more cabinetry on the side. It just all looks made more proportional. So that overall look, when you're doing the island, you design the island to be attractive. It's very simple right now, but you make an island that is a lot more attractive and then it becomes a focal piece. That's sort of our job as the kitchen designer too. So you got several estimates and they all were much more money than you thought. Yeah, we got uh, we got a number of, of estimates. We got uh, four, and they were okay. all substantially more. There there was a there was a bit of a spread between them. Um, you know, there was maybe about a hundred thousand dollars between them from highest to lowest, but they were all in the same relative neighborhood. Um, Is a hundred thousand dollars between them, and they're in the same neighborhood? Well, in the in the sense that we've considered them all to be substantially higher than we thought they were going right. to be. I mean, because I look um, at your addition and your addition looks like a hundred thousand dollars to me. So uh, well, and it's just a hundred thousand yeah. dollars plus all the materials that you're getting, like what's the was the was the exterior of the addition gonna be something unusually expensive or well, no, you know, there's, and, and this is sort of my fault because I didn't really share with you the. the oh, there's a whole lot going, going on in the, going on the house. Yeah, there's, there's, there's more. There's, you know, just to the right of what I had showed you with the kitchen design, there is a, there's going to be a mudroom addition. And there's also right now a garage there and a, a bedroom above it, which is really useless because it's not aptly heated. So the, mm -hmm. the, there's going to be an addition of a mudroom and then the garage has to be taken down and rebuilt. Um, that room above the garage doesn't even, isn't level with the second floor of the house. Mm -hmm. It's on its own, you know, it's basically a useless room that I don't know why they made. Anyway, they just, somebody added it on and just glommed it on there. Mm -hmm. um, so the, the thought would be to raise that up to make it even with the second floor of the house. You had one continuous second floor. So it's the prospect of doing all of those things, um, but they all. Well, that has to raise the roof then, right? Well, just under this, just on this, just on the garage section. Um, mm -hmm. But you know, unfortunately for us, you can't do one or the other. For example, we can't do the mudroom but not raise the roof on the garage because the entire garage has to be taken down and then rebuilt with the second floor going up to the correct height. So, you know, we're constrained a little bit by um, by the scope of the project. Right. Um, and then the, how high is it? Is this the, the room that's above the garage? That's not the it's, same level. What is it? How many is it? How many steps down is it? It's about a good three and a half, four feet down from the second level, and oh, wow. it's a dormered room. So the so the 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 ceilings in that room are at, at some places you know, less than six feet, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's above a garage and it was never insulated properly, so it's cold. And when I say mm -hmm. cold, I don't mean a few yeah. degrees cooler than it should be. I mean, unlivable. It's basically storage space and it's attic space. Mm -hmm. So it's an unusable room. Um, so it's, you know, it's one of those things that when we, my wife and I bought the house, we said, okay, we're going to have to fix this eventually. Uh, but it was, you know, I shouldn't really, you know, I sound like I'm complaining, but I shouldn't because that's one of, I think, one of the reasons why we were able to get a good deal on the house is because people said, 
what's the deal with this room? I'm not paying for this. And, and how do you get into that room from stairs from the outside of the garage? You have to walk. Uh, there, there are stairs. You, actually, I think you can see them on the on the original on, on the, the drawing that I sent you, okay. which shows the the um, the kitchen as it is currently. There are stairs that go from a from the kitchen into that room. Um, originally, those stairs led in from the garage to the kitchen. However, the previous owners and in their infinite wisdom actually took those stairs out leading from the garage into the house and then plopped this second, plopped this bedroom on top of the garage and then made the staircase go up. So now I have a garage that is attached to the house but does not have access to the house. Um, you have to go into the garage, park the car, mm-hmm. close the door, and then walk out through the front. And one of the things that this addition will solve is create the mudroom so you'll be able to walk from the garage into the mudroom mm-hmm. and then into the kitchen. Um, so it's, it's, you know, it, it's more complicated than... Yeah, than I mean, one of the things I think is if somebody broke out what making that a bedroom even with the, the rest of the house, what that's costing you if they broke it out separately and instead maybe solved the step problem and some of the other problems. If you didn't try to capture that room as a usable bedroom, you know, and left it as storage space or left it as a work area or sort of heated it, not raise it up and do all the things that you're doing, that's an incredibly expensive extra room. Right. It, it's costing you a, right. a fortune. So they no, it, 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 it is. But, uh, you know, it's it, it's something that I think the family kind of needs. Um, okay. So uh, we're, you know, no, I mean, if that was the, committed to doing that, certainly because you're changing roof lines and everything else. So, I mean, that could be a hundred thousand dollars. Right. Or maybe sure. not. But sure. that's an expensive room. If you're going to give something up. The cabinets that you like is $30,000 or $35,000 that you maybe can save, but that's a huge amount of money. So, I mean, if it's that important, right. it's it's all the same money. So you decide what the things are that you want to splurge on. Right. No, that's exactly it. And, you know, we're, we're sort of looking at all options, you know, along those same lines. It doesn't make sense to, to go with, you know, less expensive cabinets. Does it make sense to, leave part of the project unfinished so we can continue at another time. Um, You know, for example, building the shell and and having it insulated, but not actually finishing the room off. You know, obviously that would be cheaper. Um, Yeah, it doesn't save you that much money, though, because it's the big money is the whole roof line and raising it all up. Sure, sure, yeah. The one thing I'd say, too, is that if you're getting contractors and you're getting estimates from contractors, the more expensive contractors don't necessarily do a better job. So if you can get reviews or go online or see what kind of reviews contractors get, or there's no correlation between what a contractor charges you and how good they are or how satisfied necessarily that customers are. And then how you're arriving at contractors, you always want to try to find some contractors on your own, certainly not through the architect, right? (laughs) So sometimes people are in cahoots and you don't realize it. So. Uh, we, we we did get one really good um, bid from somebody who has done work in the area, um, and one of our neighbors was actually very nice and you know was, took us through their home and sort mm-hmm. of pointed out all the things they did. So we were able to witness 
the quality and the, the craftsmanship they had firsthand, which was which was good. And they put in a you know one of the better bids. So I mean, uh, so that's a good bid. To, yeah, that's a good yeah. bid to use. The people that the architects a lot of times recommend, even if they're not in cahoots, the architects design things independent of how much they cost. They're having a a creative experience <laughs> and mm-hmm. they're not really thinking about how much it's going to cost you in the end. And so even the contractors that work with them on a regular basis maybe have sort of almost the same kind of uh, outlook. They're getting business and recommendations from the architect who has a vested interest in his own design because it, it's expressing his, himself in some way and uh, they don't want to rock the boat. And and so you're, you're better off using your neighbor's person a lot of the time. Right. Yeah, no, it, it's, it's been a, an interesting experience to see how the, the, the different contractors, when they came to assess the project and take a look, a look at everything, to see how they reacted to um, some of the, 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 the issues that inevitably are going to come up, because you know some of those things are going to be issues regardless of who does the work. So it's interesting to see different folks. Yeah, um, I mean, that's the great thing about differently. bringing contractors in is that you're getting input from professionals and it's not costing you any money. And, you know, right. one person will catch something that the other person didn't get. And then you got you got all that input from all those four different people. It never hurts you. So, yeah, you know, that's my take on your your layout or whatever. And, um, you know, if you want, I can take your plan and hand draw quickly in where I would put the refrigerator and stuff and what you might want to do with the space and send it back to you um, maybe over the weekend sometime. Yeah, if you wouldn't mind doing that, that'd be terrific. I'd really appreciate that. Yeah, and then yeah, and then get it done by the kitchen designer so you can see it in 3D. Oh, and also your island. I can't see how long your island is, but it looks like it's a little tiny bit more than 10 feet long. So I think it's I think it's nine. I don't think it's ten. So it's big. It's almost six. So as long as it's under ten, that's how long the slabs of granite or quartz that you're getting come in. So you always want your island to stay under 120 inches. You don't want a seam on your island, and you don't want to go into a very expensive, especially extra large slab. Right. Yep. Like what I did was. I took your sink, if I was assuming your sink cabinet was three feet and that your dishwasher we know is two, almost six. So it's very close to 10. In cabinetry, you want the cabinetry to be like nine and a half feet and then you have a little bit of overhang on each side. But I'll send you that. And then uh, if you want to give us a call back another another time, we can uh, we can go over it again or give you, if you change it, give you input on that. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Really appreciate it. Okay, good talking to you, Michael. You too. All right, take care. Thank you for listening to the Mainline Kitchen Design Podcast with nationally acclaimed kitchen designer Paul McElary. This podcast was brought to you by Brighton Cabinetry, high-quality custom cabinetry at competitive prices. For more on kitchen cabinets and kitchen design, go to www.mainlinekitchendesign.com.